Okay, Justin, sing me a song about missing your father, but it turns out you just liked your brother instead. <laughs> I really hate you. You just make this as hard as possible. There's got to be at least 20 songs like that. Oh, I miss my father, but oh, wait a minute. It's really my brother. Ding, 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 ding. You know, I thought that was a real song till the end. I was like, ah, he made it up. No song would actually sound like that. I couldn't tell if you were trying to mimic what playing the spoons or the banjo. <laughs> it was the banjo. Oh. I guess that'd be more like something like that, maybe. I don't know. All right. Well, then let's try another one. Heather, sing me a song about being an alcoholic, but you cure yourself with basketball. <laughs> That's, I don't know that that's any less specific. Oh, there was um, one song that was acceptable and it's too late. Hold on. Give me a second. Hold on. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't got it. Come on. What is the it? The only acceptable song for that one was Basketball Jones. I was just literally going to say that. And then I was like, is it too obvious? No. Man. Basketball jo okay. Jones is the only song that was acceptable for that one. I actually had one in mind for that. Justin, you were fucked from the beginning. Man. See, I almost said it too. <laughs> yeah see this is all set up and you failed with the basketball jones let's start the episode hey cine fans and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin, and we will be talking about two movies once again today. I think these are the most diametrically opposed movies we've ever done in the same episode, but we will be talking about Pixar's Onward and the new Ben Affleck film, The Way Back. We will be talking about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between, and we will do a spoiler-free section at the beginning so check the time codes in the description to know where you need to jump around if you only want to listen to Onward or you only want to listen to The Way Back. Or if you just only want to listen to non-spoilers of both, all that stuff will be in the description of this episode. So check that out and, you know, adjust your listening schedule accordingly. So we are going to start this off with, uh, I guess, Onward, since I did the song version of that first. So, uh, Justin, tell us about Onward. Well, for me, um, overall, I enjoyed this movie um enough i thought that this was a solid effort from pixar uh though i walked out in the end thinking it was good but not great uh i don't think that this will uh be at the top of anyone's list or who knows maybe if you're out there hey let us know <laughs> reach reach us on facebook at cinema slaves podcast but for me i just thought this was good but not great um overall i thought that the voice acting uh was was commendable I thought Tom Holland was great in this role as Ian Lightfoot. I thought that he did well. And him alongside Chris Pratt as who plays his brother Barley. I thought that they made a good tandem as far as the voice work was concerned. They were entertaining throughout. Um, and, and the story, uh, I think, is a good story overall. And um, the, the messages that it has and the... And what it's trying and the, what the film is trying to say, I think that the message is a good message. It's an important message. Um, 
uh, there were other some other good supporting performances here too. Uh, uh, I liked Octavia Spencer as the Manticore. I thought that she uh, uh, had some great scenes, and there was um, a, a lot of funny moments with that character. So uh, those would definitely be some of the standout things that I enjoyed about the film. And then I thought that the film. Uh, just an this is an animated film, and animation wise, I think it looks great. Uh, the juxtaposition with a lot of our, um, I guess you could say like mythological or uh, creatures and people like wizards and unicorns and stuff like that, all of that stuff was interesting, and it was interesting how they put those elements together and then sort of put them in a more modernized setting. So it had an interesting premise and an interesting look. And overall, I appreciated all of that. I mean, Pixar, I can't remember the last, like maybe like the second or third cars or something. The last Pixar movie I looked at and was like, oh, it was crappy. This is definitely not one of those. This was um, overall a solid effort from Pixar that I think for the most part, families will enjoy. Heather, what about you? Yeah, I agree. I think I wouldn't say it's a great film, but it was definitely good. And for me, because as I've said several times before, animated films aren't typically my go-to, I want to watch them type of films. But I was I was somewhat looking forward to this one uh, just because, you know, of the people playing the characters and everything. But it did not disappoint. Like I actually, I enjoyed uh, this film a lot and I mean, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Tom Holland, he knows how to deliver a line like nobody else. Like, I don't know what it is about him, but even in his voice acting, which I know Sterling thinks, you know, voice actors aren't actors, <laughs> but um, just the the way he delivered his lines, it was so perfect for who that character was that he played. Um, and same with Chris Pratt. I think Chris Pratt, it's a little bit harder for him to disguise his voice. Uh, for who he is. But I think that part of it was they wanted him to sound the way that he did. But Tom Holland, it's just, I feel like he, even in the voice work that he does, he he goes with what his character is supposed to be. He's not just playing Tom Holland. Like, he's playing the character. He's not even just playing Spider-Man. He's, he's being the character that he's supposed to be, um, even when it's just voice acting. So, um, yeah, I thought he did a really great job. Yeah, everybody that... Um, you know, that was in the film and lent their voices to the film, did a really great job. Um, it was, it was humorous. It was very heartfelt. Um, it was a very emotional film, but like Justin said, it does have a very good message to it. Um, I really appreciated it. I liked it. I think a little bit more than I expected to like it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not by any means, like I said, the greatest you know, Pixar film I've ever seen, but it definitely was enjoyable for what it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say, um, yeah, there's, I mean, definitely more positive about it than negative about it, I would say for sure. This is probably the most okayest film I've ever seen. Like, it made sure that it never went too good or too bad. It just stayed right at okay. And anytime it started going good, it would do something to pull it back just to okay. Or then if it started going bad, it would do something like great. And then it'd just be right back at okay. Like the mean average of this movie is literally just okay. Like throughout. And it, it weirdly suffers from a lot of the issues I've found that movies like this have. Those movies that 
weirdly combine fantastical elements that you would find in a fantasy world with modern times. Like one of the biggest atrocities with this is the movie Bright on Netflix. Um, it did so in a very dumb way. And in this movie, I felt like they handled it pretty good for the most part. Except I'm not going to lie. If you've lived your entire life as a centaur, you wouldn't make weird issues as in hitting everything in the world with like the ass end of your fucking horse. Like you would know how to fucking <laughs> walk in a house. And like if they are using vehicles to like transport themselves like cars, actual cars, he would have a car that's modified for that. Like I know that's a weird thing to like weird out on. But to me, it's like the weird fundamental issue that movies like this do for humor or for anything like that. that just make no sense. I, I mean, I guess the, those jokes might have landed with a kid or something like that. But it just really pulls me out of it to see those things. Because in this world, that wouldn't be an actual issue. And I think maybe it is because we have seen something very recently, like in the form of Bright, do the same thing but worse to just kind of keep it fresh enough in my memory to it be a very distracting issue for me. I mean, and I understand it is like a family oriented movie and stuff like that. And they're more or less assuming that kids watching this haven't seen the movie bright, which would make sense. But I don't know. Those elements are very, very jarring to me. And on top of that, the movie, the, the, the way this movie ends to me just fell incredibly, incredibly flat. Like, I, I, I won't go into it more than that right now, but the movie that, that, that this built up towards, I don't think the ending was the same. And it really just kind of, that was also just very jarring to me. The way it built up to a seemingly different ending, and bam, it was this. In almost every way. Um, I, I will say this about this, and, and Jasta mentioned this too and everything, but the Manticore character was my favorite of of these characters that was a very fun character and you know seeing this mythical mythical creature that apparently has been around for ages and ages you know more so than everybody else like then trying to adjust to modern times and stuff like that was just a very i thought that was a very clever way of of portraying that element of it and i also really did like the beginning of it where it showed magic and them doing all these magical things and then you know talking about how magic was really hard and so then when like electricity came by, no one gave a fuck about magic anymore. And then it just became, you know, people inventing these things, you know, like we've already experienced in our world, you know, in our, you know, modern lifetime of them just building new things and new things and all this other stuff. Um, right down to the, they had smartphones, but then that was, all right, that was weird to me that they brought it modern, modern enough to have smartphones, but then they weren't really utilized like in the movie. Everything was just done like it was a flip phone. That was weird to me that you would go as far as to create a smartphone. And I know I understand that the Tom Holland's characters got broke. Um, but then like nobody else in the movie had them. So it was just very weird to me that you would go that far and to show that technology is that far in this world and then just abandon it. Like if you're going to do that, then just have them be fucking flip phones. Like just, you know, make it like it's the 90s or some shit. I don't know. It just elements of this movie felt like inconsistent with everything else and to me those just stood out very very uh presently or, i don't know that's not the right fucking word um let's try it again they stood out immensely i think that's what i'm trying to say who knows who knows what the fuck i'm trying to say at this point so let's just say it's that but i think ultimately what i'm going to end on with this part of it is just fuck this is an okay movie just okay as fuck 
I don't know. I, when I say okay as fuck, that implies that it's more than just an average okay, and it's not that. It's just, yeah, I don't know. It's okay as fuck. Let's just stick with that. Um, so you're saying it's like the the Gretel and Hansel no, of... No, 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 Because Gretel and Hansel was just, was just the most middle movie. This oh, is okay. Because okay. Hansel and Gretel wasn't even okay. So this ticks more positively than than Hansel and Gretel. I would have preferred <laughs> if Hansel and Gretel was just okay. Because then that would mean something happened in that fucking movie. But it didn't. <laughs> um, so let's, yeah, let's go into uh, recommendations and scores for this before we go into spoilers. Uh, I did... I, do we start with Chastin? Yeah, so Heather, Heather, you go. What's yeah. your recommendation and score for this? Um, I do recommend it. I think it's a, a great family film. I think it's got a great message for all ages. I thought it was pretty fun. And yeah, like I said, good, not great, but worth a watch, I definitely think. Uh, yeah, I would recommend it for sure. Um, score for it, for me at least, is going to be... Um, I'm going to give it 86 tough small flying fairies out of 100 justin what about you all right um yeah i'm gonna recommend this too i think that this is um a fun family movie uh when i saw the film and there were with there were a bunch of other families in there and the kids seemed to be having a good time and like with a lot of pixar movies pixar just kind of has the ability to have these mo these family films but some of the themes and some of the things that it's actually talking about is some of the messages are very like all while uplifting are very mature messages. And of course, a, a lot of that, I think, will go over a kid's head. But I do think that for the most part, a kid will have a good time with this. And, and there are some genuine messages that I think were worth the ride. And the appearance of this, it looks fun. It has fun characters it, it it does have some solid laughs i thought and it's pixar man they've got a formula that for the most part over the years works and they just understand that they know how to do that and so this was a very fun entertaining film throughout uh i wanted more from it but we'll get into that a little bit later you know the, as far as the quality of it i think could have been better but this was fine and people will enjoy this film I, th I think this is one you will enjoy if you go see it now when you remember it uh the the maybe that's where we have a different conversation is it memorable will, will it stick with you we'll see but for overall i think that if you go watch this you will enjoy it i think this is a solid b for me i'm going to give it 80 uh <laughs> final rides of a, a van uh, driving into a mountain to uh, help our brothers solve our quest out of a hundred. Um, this one's a tough one for me. Uh, if you've got nothing else to do, I guess yeah, go watch. It. If you have kids, go watch it um, with your kids. I'm not. I don't mean that as if you have kids, go watch it and leave your kids at home. No, I mean take your kids to this movie. Uh, but other than that, I mean. As far as Pixar movies go, I don't think this is a must-see uh, in any way, shape, or form. I, I, it's better than the Cars trilogy. I don't. I put this in the what is it? The Good Dinosaur? Isn't that the name of that one? I put this very much in that category of you can or you can't see this movie. It doesn't matter. Like do or don't. It, it, it it's whether or not you give a fuck for that moment or not. Uh, it's just 
it's just kind of there in a lot of ways. And uh, we'll go into some of that further in spoilers, but it's it's just very much there. I give this movie 60 unicorn pegasuses or I guess raccoons in this universe, I guess, because that was weird to me out of 100. Uh, so spoilers, this would be spoilers, the spoilery time of the podcast for this movie onward. Um, holy fuck, the end of this movie was so goddamn weird to me. Like the whole journey is for this guy to meet his dad and then him going, nah, I've got an older brother. I don't need to meet my father. What the fuck kind of mentality is that? Like, that's just so fucking weird to me. I understand that his brother was an exo facto father figure to him, I suppose. But like, as much as he would like listen to that, that cassette tape of his father and all this other stuff. And then just for the end to be that. And then you don't even get to see the dad. It's just the brother in the shadow of the dad in the distance. While like, a dragon that's made out of the school. Like, that was also a dumb thing to me. Like, I get that it was supposed to be the rock dragon for a curse thing, but, oh, um, that just was jarringly weird. That the, the fucking school was the dragon, and, you know, all this shit. Like, it was just weird, weird fucking decisions, you know? And like I said, like, and then he finishes putting together his dad at the end, and then just, I don't know, was like, fuck it, we'll fight the dragon. I mean, I don't know. I just did not care for the ending of that movie whatsoever. And I just don't feel like that that was the movie that was it was building up to be, you know, because outside of that scene where, you know, he has the memory of uh, his brother teaching him how to like fucking swim and having a pillow fight on the bed and shit. I'm like, OK, I guess. I don't know. It was just so disjointed to me. And I came out of the movie afterwards feeling incredibly unfulfilled by it i don't know and and like i said just the weird the weird melding of nowadays and and yesterday or you know nowadays with those fantastical elements became just really jarring at times like i said he has a smartphone but he's got a cassette player and i would get that the dad has the cassette player because you know he he died when he was younger and all this other stuff but i don't know things like that were just it, it just didn't seem like everything cohesively came together with the elements they wanted to do. Like, I found it weird. Like I said, the, the unicorns became raccoons. Like, that's a very weird thing. I guess it's humorous, but that would be like wild horses being like raccoons now. And it's just very weird to me. Like, those choices. I think they made these visual choices and these decisions to do these things. I don't want to say solely for kid gags, but maybe. And I think this was one of the first times in a long time that... I guess that Pixar found or didn't find a way to really make it completely a family film. You know, they they came close to, with a lot of elements, like you said, Justin, where they would have those very kind of serious and adult themes, but presented in a way where kids can understand them with like the brother feeling like he's a screw up and everybody else feeling like he's a screw up. And, you know, Tom Holland's, Tom Holland's character being unsure of himself, but but then not unsure of himself and things like that. And like, you know, him wanting to see his father and stuff like that. I don't know if when they stuck the landing though, at the end, I don't know if kids are really going to understand what that ending meant in the movie. I don't even like it, but I don't even think kids are really going to understand what happened with that ending. Or maybe I'm not giving kids enough credit. I don't know. I don't have any, but that just seemed like a very big leap to take in this. And like I said, I don't think they stuck the landing with that. But I just don't think that they really 
got that amalgamation of of it truly becoming a family film. I think it just ended up keeping some of those parts a little too separate. And to me, that makes it more DreamWorks than Pixar. And that's not even top tier DreamWorks because How to Train Your Dragons don't have that problem. So I don't know. Um, I guess, uh, I don't know, Justin. What, what about you? Where's some spoiler type elements for you? Uh, yeah, um, I definitely see some of what you're talking about. It, it When I walked out of this, it really just felt like something was missing. N- not so much like, oh, I didn't get the movie. I think I had a great understanding of it, but it just didn't have, I didn't walk out feeling like I had seen something special. And so I was racking my brain going, what was missing? How come I just didn't walk out of this like um, feeling like I did when I saw Inside Out? And I don't know, man. I think that maybe like this is just kind of one of those Pixar movies where when it got to the big reveal of the resolution or the realization might be the best way to put it. Because I feel like in all of the best Pixar movies, there comes a point where the characters that you're following have this big realization. And I don't know, man, I guess maybe it was just the list thing, or maybe we've seen too many movies like this before, but you could just kind of see it coming a mile away. Like when he was making that list and all of this stuff, I, all I could think in my head was you're, you did get to drive. You know, you got, you did get to do the driving thing. You have had a heart to heart talk. And so some of that man, when it got to the end and he had this realization that he had done all those things, I think you could just see it coming a mile away. Like, like you already knew that that was going to, so it was kind of predictable, I guess. Like, I don't know if maybe that was the reason why it just didn't hit me as hard as I would have wanted it to. But I think that that was one of the things like normally, like when, when Pixar does a great realization, it really hits me. And I'm like, Oh man, Pixar, you've done it again. Thank you so much. Like the realization and I'll just name some other Pixar movies because I, I, I think I'm onto something here because like the realization in Inside Out, when you get to the end of that movie and the character realizes that, okay, I've been trying to suppress these feelings of sadness and anger and stuff like that because I think that my human doesn't need to feel those things in order to be happy, in order to have joy and everything like that. And what the joy character realizes is that those emotions are just as important. Those are an essential part of what you are. And that, and that lesson, that realization just was such a great realization. And it was just done impeccably. And I just can't say the same thing about the the effectiveness of the storytelling here. And I just feel like, and I think the pieces are there because like this movie to me is very much about loss. You know, you had a person, you had, you had characters who had lost a father, uh, a mother who had lost a husband, the manticore, you had a person who had lost their identity. 
um, the, the, the horse, uh, the, the, the centaur cop horse had lost a part of himself due to all this modernization and stuff like that. So there is this, there, there's this nice message here about when you lose things and what it takes to get those things back or what it takes to realize that maybe you've lost one thing, but you still got another thing. And that's why I can appreciate the whole brother thing, because I get what they were trying to say. You know, our main character may have lost his father, but there might be. And that's an important message. Like you may lose somebody important in your life, but there but there are these other people in your life that are just as important that are that 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 you have those meaningful talks with that there are other people that love you there are other things there are other places where you're probably getting those things and maybe you're failing to appreciate that maybe you're failing to see that but so even if you lose this thing or this person perhaps there be hopeful that maybe that somewhere else you can get those things in someone else you can have some of those things and that's important you know that's important that's a very important meaningful message maybe you haven't lost someone but you've lost your identity you used to be this motivated person right kind of like the manticore was but maybe just through life and everything like that you've lost that and you're trying to regain it back like they had the ingredient that's an important message and they had the ingredients but like you said sterling i just don't know if it all came across like it needed to and like i said for me the list thing the realization with the list that oh i've done all these things but I did them with my brother. Oh, my brother is that important person. That, I get that, but I just don't know if it, if that was the way to go with this. And then the, the brother never getting to say goodbye to the father and him getting the final goodbye. I get it. And that was an emotional moment in the film when he's watching, um, when little brother is watching big brother talk to the dad and everything like that. But yeah, man, it just, but it just didn't hit me. It didn't have the emotional weight that I thought that it would have ultimately. And yeah, the dragon made out of the school curse thing, that that was uh, uh, a little weird. I just thought we were going to see some cool looking dragon creature. So I'm not sure why it took the school to compose the dragon or I mean, what was the dragon before that time? You know, I, I don't know. But so that was a little weird, too. I was just kind of like, OK, that's interesting. A dragon made out of the rubble of the building um, and the final fight. I mean, yeah, OK, it was a final confrontation and it was OK and everything. But, yeah, I think that that realization, I don't know if it was just because I caught it. I could see it coming a mile away. And so maybe it just wasn't that effective. I didn't feel like I learned much or get appreciated that as much. I think it had something to do with that. But yeah, there was definitely something missing. Just that, that, that moment that the top tier Pixar movies usually give you just is usually more effective than this. It's just usually um it's done with a little more flair and it's done a little more effectively and at the end you know you have your resolution and people realize things and the biker 
fairies, you know, got their wings and yeah, they had lost the ability to fly and they regained it. You know, you kind of have these regained moments and there were all these little themes in there too about you got to venture and take the road less traveled and you got you sometimes you have to go without a safety net and all this other stuff like that but i don't know maybe that's what the problem was maybe it was too many ideas and maybe just the focusing it became tough to focus all of those things at the end but that's kind of where i sit with it like i would i'd be interested to know kind of how you guys feel about the overall things but maybe that was my problem like some of the better pixar movies feel a little more focused this feels like it was trying to have all these different versions of lost of losing things and then but the way to get all of those things didn't all converge when it got to the end of the movie so it felt like some of the themes weren't completely realized that's the word i'm looking for i just didn't feel everything was fully realized once we got to the end of this film i was actually about to say that uh when you were like listing out all these things i was like maybe that's the problem is it was just had too much and it couldn't pull it all together in the end like it spread itself too thin throughout the movie and when the ending came along it couldn't put it all back together you know, it just had too much on its plate. Yeah, that's what I was thinking when you were like listing all these things. I'm like, yeah, maybe that's the problem. Yeah, why it feels so disheveled to me and so incomplete is just it just tried to do too much and it couldn't keep it all together. No, yeah, that's that's definitely what I was thinking halfway through that. But uh, Heather, what about you? What are your uh, thoughts on this now? Yeah, I definitely can see what you mean about the trying to get too much in there so it felt less focused. I could definitely see that. Uh, it wasn't a huge problem for me because I think that, um, I don't know, I, I feel like this movie just specifically resonated with me on on a level that not a lot of animated films specifically really do, other than Inside Out because that one was pretty great. But I don't know, I just the message of it and the importance of what they were trying to do with it i i actually really liked it and i think they pulled it together well at the end there with that final message you know when the two brothers are talking and when they're trying to decide who's going to actually get to talk to the father and all those things i really enjoyed that scene you know because um yeah like there are some things where you're like yeah it's obvious that this is clearly your big brother is typically is technically your dad you know in a sense like he's the one who raised you and all these things someone that you can look up to but for somebody maybe who is younger if it's geared towards them maybe that's something that in their own life they haven't realized maybe it's not as obvious to them because they're like in those same feelings that the younger kid in the movie was you know so i feel like for somebody who might be that age or dealing with those things or you know especially when you're so young and you don't have any memories of your father I understand him being like, I'm going to idolize this guy because the stories I hear and just hearing his voice and just, you you know, he, he definitely just built up in his mind who he thought his father was going to be. And I could see that, especially because he was 16 years old, you know, like he was very much just really young, you know. And so he was, I think, like, I just I want to have this belief that my father is the person that I that I've always thought him to be. And then when he hears stories from old classmates and whatever about what a great guy he was and all these things, like it just makes it more like he feels like he missed out on something great. And so I kind of get it because it's like, yeah, it might be right in front of you that you have somebody taking care of you and looking out for you. But when you're a young kid who didn't have a father, then I feel like 
you know, those things are just, it's going to be super important. And I really liked the part when he's in his room and he's listening to the tape and he's pretty much just making up the conversation of how he would talk to his dad. Just, it, it really showed the, the, uh, you know, the heartfelt feeling of just like how much he wanted that relationship with his dad and never got the chance to do that. So I, I kind of get what they did with it. And even though it might have been an obvious thing for somebody whose mindset is so focused on like, no, this is the end goal. And I need to know who my dad is. This is what this is what I've wanted for so long. And I need to know. And I could see when you're a young kid, and that's all you care about that you wouldn't see the obvious. So I, I kind of actually like how they did it in the film with that. Um, but yeah, I just think I, I liked the dynamic between the two brothers. I think that that was really great. It felt very real to siblings and how brothers would be. Um, so I just I, I just thought it worked mostly. I do see that there. Yeah, you're right that there was a lot going on and they were trying to do a lot of messages and a lot of, you know, things with it. But I think the main thing they were trying to get across the main things they were trying to get across did come out the way that they should have. Um, I do think that it was weird with the uh, <laughs> when the bro- the younger brother um, does the spell and he only brings back the dad's legs. <laughs> like that whole thing to me was weird. Just in general, the the idea that the dad was essentially on the journey with them. I don't know. I just kind of think that wasn't necessary. Like it was just kind of weird to me to do that part of it. I think it would have been a little bit more impactful if you know, they didn't have the whole like, oh, like dad's kind of here on this journey with us, like more of we want to go talk to him to tell him about this journey that we're having that we got to to find him. And I just feel like that would have been a little bit more impactful. So I think the whole his dad's legs are on the trip with him. (laughs) I think that was just kind of a weird way to go about it. And I I definitely didn't really see that uh, coming really. So uh, yeah, but it, it was just they did make some interesting choices with what they did with some of the things. But yeah, I don't know. I just overall, I just think what they did worked. I do also think that the the um, the mom was underutilized. I think that she could have been a little bit more of a uh, she was an important character, but especially in the lives of the boys that, you know, they don't have the one parent. So I just feel like that relationship with the mom, I feel like they could have done a little bit more with showing the importance of that part of it. I also think that her boyfriend, the cop horse guy i think that he was used in the wrong way like i think i get the point of what his character was supposed to be doing but i don't think that it was necessary for that to be like essentially their stepdad almost that it had to i don't think it needed that aspect of it to play out the way it did it could have just been like no this is just the chief of police or whatever and pretty much the same things would have played out so i just think that that part of it was not really necessary and it didn't really line up with the whole rest of what they were trying to do with the story i don't know but that was just me um but yeah i just there i I do think some of the choices they made were a little out there and it didn't i I left the the film and i was pretty satisfied with how it ended and everything but as a whole i do think there were yeah i i see the parts where it's like underwhelming and parts of it where you're just like that could have been so much better if you would have done this or um, it, it turned out fine, but it wasn't like that was a great revelation of what you just did in this film. You know, all of it was either obvious things they were going to do or things where you, you're just kind of like, OK, I don't know why you went with that, but I guess it works for what you're trying to say. So, yeah, I could see a lot of it being very up in the air of 
it was that the best choice to make to get across what you're trying to. But for me, and I don't know if it's just because I appreciated the message of the movie a lot. I I don't know. I just really I think it came together well. And I really think they did a good job with with uh, getting across what they were trying to. Well, I'm in in when you were talking, it made me think of another thing of maybe one issue that I or one of the reasons why I had the issues I had with this movie was because they used the brother as the surrogate for the dad, even though there's just like a couple apart from them. You know, why why couldn't the mom like why couldn't he look back and see all these memories with his mom or right maybe the fact that like i come from a blended family and all this other stuff that maybe like i didn't like the fact that the blended family idea was just used for a joke in the middle and then all of a sudden was no pun intended magically okay at the end you know what i mean like maybe that's my issues with it is that the instead of it like using somebody like a stepdad or the mom who was the single mom raising him for most of his life why couldn't that be the surrogate for his father instead of the instead of the brother that's just what was so weird to me, I guess, is that a brother that's just like one or two years older than him, uh, not one, but like, you know, just a few years older than him was his surrogate father the whole life. But then they didn't show anything that the right. mom did for him his whole life, you know? Yeah. Other than no, her I just showing up no. at the end to do shit. I mean, if she's willing to go that fucking far at the end to attack a stone dragon, you're telling me that she wouldn't have <laughs> right. fucking like play catch with her son? Come on. Yeah, and I think, I mean, and my understanding from what this movie was uh, when I was like hearing an interview about it is the the guy who made it, it's basically the story of him and his brother. And it's based around a tape that they found of their dad where it was just like a 30 second tape of him just talking. And that was all they had because his, his, their father died before he they were you know able to know who he was. And so I get it from the perspective of whoever was making the film that he wanted to emphasize that relationship with the brothers because I think it was technically kind of like a, a love note to his brother because I think I heard um, in that interview, it was with Chris Pratt where he said that um, the, the brother of the guy who made it didn't actually know what this movie was going to be about until he watched it. And I think that that's really cool. And when I hear that perspective, I think because I heard that before I watched it, I kind of went in knowing that was the perspective and appreciating it because of that. But you're right. Like if you don't go into it, knowing that that's what they're trying to do, or you don't know the backstory of why the film was made, there's like so many elements that you're like, well, why couldn't it have been this? Like, you know, why couldn't it have been the mom? Why don't you emphasize the relationship with the mom and all these other things with it? So, yeah. And I, and I get that. I, I get that that might be this guy's personal experience and all this other stuff. I just don't know if it came across in the movie like that. Well, to the degree of, like I said, the idea of a blended family was a joke slash just worked fine in the end. And like, I don't know, like you said, the mom got downplayed so hardcore. And maybe that wasn't the intention of this filmmaker when it comes to doing all this. And like you said, being like a, you know, thank you letter to his brother as much. But execution wise, that's kind of what it became. And that just doesn't kind of cohesively gel right to me. Yeah. No. Uh, oh, and just to add, um, no. uh but 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 thanks Heather for providing uh that that perspective because no I didn't know that um going in and so I definitely can appreciate that and I do think that the dynamic with the brothers w was definitely the, the the strongest element of the film and I think that that uh and that's why for the most part 
I did appreciate that that, that message there uh, at the end with them. But but I think that there's so I definitely agree with that. Uh, but I think there is something to what you're saying also, Sterling, as you were talking about that. Maybe that's why it just felt a little like incomplete. I don't know, because I guess, you know, for me, it was like, OK, this is about going onward, moving onward from loss and different things like that. So I don't know. I guess it's true that uh that, that, that he found those elements in his brother. But yeah, I see what you're saying. It did kind of feel a little incomplete because you got the mom there who seemed like a caring mom. You know, she followed him all the way through through the journey. She damn near followed him through the journey herself and uh, went on a journey herself and seemed to be uh, strong and uh, faced off with the dragon at the end and everything like that. And so she was doing quite a bit. And yeah, I, I get the sense that it, it did. she did feel underappreciated. And even if the film maybe didn't mean to do that, I, I, I can see where you're coming from with that. Because by the time you get to the end, it's true. He appreciates his brother. He understands the significance of his brother. And like I said, that's super important message about how you can lose someone, but but there's this other person that uh, that, that that's in your life. There are other people that are involved filling those voids. Uh, she didn't seem to really be a part of that. She was there, but it didn't seem like the movie emphasized it enough. You know, so so I can definitely understand uh, what you mean by that. And uh, and that was a great point that you made, Heather, about um, just the just the fact that, you know, him being young and, you know, for the younger uh, viewers and stuff like that, they may not realize, you know, maybe for in, in their perspective, living at home and everything with their brothers, maybe they didn't appreciate that. So all of that, I think, was uh, good stuff. But I guess I was just comparing like the realization of that to realizations like in other Pixar movies. And I just just it just didn't feel as strong you know like coco is another one like that realization at the end that his hero was really like this bastard person like i don't know i just feel like they've done such a better job with those realizations in the past and i don't know what it was i mean i guess like i said I, the only thing i can think is that list thing but it just i don't know what about it just it just did not feel as strong to me but i don't know you know but but maybe that's just me maybe i just uh m maybe just this subject matter didn't hit me as hard maybe it is just kind of my perspective and the subject matter didn't hit me as hard but uh but but no uh, you both made some very good points very good points i thought i promise this is the last time i'll do this because you made me think of something else maybe the reason why i didn't buy that at the end it's because at the beginning and for most of the movie, the brothers didn't actually feel like they were close. Like, oh, that's it, Sterling. I think that's it. Wait, say that part again. What did you say? I think at least, especially at the beginning, but for most of the movie, I didn't feel like the brothers were close. Hmm. And maybe okay. that's why I yeah. didn't buy the ending. Is like at the beginning of the movie, he very much was like, I don't fucking want anything to do with you. Like, you're a weirdo. And it didn't feel like no, this was, true. and it didn't feel like this was like a new teen angst thing. It felt like 
it's been like that for a couple of years that his brother's like, yeah, this card game, which also fuck this for making fun of people that play card games. I take offense to that. <laughs> and I just want you to know, I went and played some Magic the Gathering uh, online after I watched this movie as a big fuck you to this movie. But like, it just, it felt like they were just kind of disconnected and just, you it didn't feel like they hung out, you know? It didn't feel like they, you know, did anything together and that they were having this trip. It felt like, you know those movies where the two, like the family members don't get along, but after the end of a journey, then they get along? That's what this movie felt like it was supposed to be. But instead of them just getting along at the end, it was, oh, my brother's my exo facto father figure. Like it was such a gigantic leap at the end. Instead of them just realizing... You know, like we've all seen those movies where like the siblings have to take a road trip and they're like, oh, we hate each other. But then then like the end of the movie, they're like, but we're family and I'll always love you. Like that's <laughs> what this movie was until the end where it just goes, nope, father figure. I just did not. I guess I didn't see that part coming because that's not what their relationship told me they were. There wasn't even like a line at the beginning where the mom's like, oh, you and your brother used to be so close. Nothing. They just seem like they've been living two different lives their whole like time. And hmm. I, I mean, I, oh, no, that's I, 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 I don't know. I'm stumbling at this point. Go ahead. Pick me up. <laughs> no, um, no, I was just going to say, no, I think maybe that's what it is, man. I think you're onto something because, yeah, it didn't seem like they were that close. And then when he tried to pick him up from school, he was embarrassed of his big brother it seemed like he wasn't interested in any of those things that his brother was interested in. And then even halfway through the movie where uh, th that was used for kind of like a basis for some conflict that they had when things really got difficult was whenever he had disguised himself as that cop and the spell was predicated on you can't lie. If you start lying, then you start changing back or or the spell reverses or something like that and whenever the cop was like oh yeah the big brother's a screw up and and the little brother disguised as the cop goes oh well i don't think so and then you know the the magic dissipated so that's how his big brother found out what he really thought of him so even there you know they were like there was some truth that he didn't think much of his brother so I see what you're saying. Now, is it possible for another brother not to appreciate his his other brother? Of course. Is it possible for you to, you, you know, for that relationship to grow and expand and you come to appreciate family members that you didn't really want really a fan of at first? Yeah. But does it happen that quickly? Can it happen in a sudden realization? Um, yeah, I see what you mean, man. It, that was a big leap because all because everything, especially when you just look at it in the confines of the film, because every because all the scenes before that seemed to be that they weren't that close. And then would he really make that realization and jump at the end and go, oh, he really has been like my father and I should appreciate him more. Maybe I guess that can happen. But. Yeah, I see what you mean. That it, it's a leap. It, it, it's it's quite the leap. It's quite the leap. I see what you mean. Yeah, and like, and I, I am glad you guys said that because I do see what you mean about like from the start. You don't get that vibe that they're close, that they're on that level where he would get that 
I don't necessarily think that that is needed just because um, I feel like that's part of the whole journey of them, you know, them being on this journey together. And and like you guys were saying, it's um, it's like it, the, the whole aspect of you don't appreciate what you have until you realize what you have kind of thing. And I think that that was the point. And I think maybe what they were trying to do is you know be like oh we're very opposite people and you know like his whole being embarrassed of his brother and thinking his brother's a failure i think if the whole time in the story if they were both super close the whole time it wouldn't have been as interesting of a journey that they went on you know and but i do get what you mean because it's it's not a matter of necessarily that they needed to be close beforehand but it's a matter of they didn't build up that transition from being not close to close on the journey the way they should have. So I, I do definitely see what you guys are saying. I mean, and I, 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 I understand what you're saying with that, Heather, because and I'm fine with that. If there was, I just maybe more lines of dialogue or some flashbacks or something that would mention that they were close before and that they drifted apart, you know, through teenage yeah. years, because that does which happen. they didn't show until the end. Yeah, yeah. Because if you chalked up they're not being close now to well, they're just teenagers now. 100% get that. That's a very authentic thing. But like I said, there wasn't even a line of dialogue that was like, oh, you used to be so close or, oh, you remember when we used to, you know, pillow fight or when we used to play that card game together or some, you know, anything that would mention that they were close at one point in their life because you're throwing us in when they're not close. If there was just something, anything, even if it was just the mom talking to the manticore about it, like about how she's surprised that they're doing this because they used to be so close. And then as they grew older, they grew apart. Anything, even if it just seems like a throwaway line of dialogue at the time, I it, it would have made it all better. It's just they throw us in when they're no longer you know close and just we have to accept they're close because this guy has two flashbacks when he's filling out a list and realizes his brother's his dad or whatever. His dad's his brother. However you want to word it. It sounds bad either way. <laughs> But like, that's it. We just get, we get these flashbacks when the realization happens. And I'm just like, well, okay, I guess I didn't see that. Like, I guess this goes back to something that like what Justin has talked about on, or we've all talked about on other podcasts, where if you have the ability to show it, then show it. And I think showing it at the 25th hour, you know, is a little too late. I don't know. Just anything else. I mean, there were more stories in this, in the movie about how the older brother was close with the dad than about them being close. Like right. the whole like playing drums on the foot thing, which, okay, let's be real. That is the worst little like drum beat back and forth thing to be a clue that they are who they are. Because if anybody plays a shave and a haircut, the other person's automatically going to go dun dun. Like that's not a clue. That's just what everybody does. <laughs> I mean, that, like, I understand that they, you know, they really drilled that line about the weird purple socks. But, like, you know, like, when the brother plays that to him and he goes, dad, dad, he's like, oh, it is dad. Or it's just anybody else that's been alive. <laughs> yeah, like the most common thing. Yeah, yeah, a shave and a haircut is the worst thing, like, worst call and response to, like, know what it is. Like, if a shave and a haircut <laughs> is your secret, like, entrance into, you know, your secret club or whatever everyone in the world's going to get in if they're like password and you they play you know the shave and haircut and then the other person goes don't do and you're like oh well yes they know it and they let them in because they knew how to do the dun dun <laughs> like come on that's why it was an issue in roger rabbit 
Right. Which is single-handedly <laughs> the best use of a shave and a haircut in a movie ever. <laughs> Any final thoughts on Onward, guys? Ew, go upstairs. Nope. One last thing, and I promise I'll be over. Do you think, I just having thoughts now <laughs> as y'all were talking, but do you do you think maybe that that ending might have been a little more effective if maybe like um, you do the same thing, you know, one of them has to choose, you know, they have to choose who's going to see the father. And what if it was the father that revealed that to the little brother that he should appreciate his brother more or maybe kind of like jogs his memory there and says, hey, you know, you, you know, he sees the list and he goes, oh, man, it's too bad we didn't get to do these things. But a lot of these things, you know, you did with your brother. You, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know if maybe like. I get what you're saying, but how would the dad know that? Uh, oh, he wasn't. So those flashes, the dad wasn't alive. Oh, no. Those. No, the dad died before. Oh, yeah. Or right around. He was oh, yeah. born. That's right. He was right around. Yeah. So he didn't get to see any. Yeah, that's right. Because he didn't get to see any of his dad. That's right. Damn. You got me. Okay. Never mind then. Oh, but I get what you're saying, though, like, because when you first started saying that. I was like, yes, 100%. And then when you went and the dad says like, oh, but you did these with your brother. I would have gone. Then my first thought was, wait, how do you know that? But I was 100% on board with you until that point. Because like when you were just like, if the dad told him, I'm like, yes, that would be more effective. But yeah, he wouldn't know. So how would he? Yeah, he, he'd have to have revealed it some other way. I've been like, well, look, you know, I, you know, you only got a few seconds with me, but, you know, don't forget about your bro, man. Don't forget about your bro. He brought you here, man. Who's been here with you this old journey, man? You know, appreciate him. You know, y'all do something, 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 something. I don't know. Or maybe if we could have heard that conversation. I don't know. Uh, Man, uh, there's a way to make this better, man. Maybe that wasn't it, but. Yeah, just just have a throwaway line of dialogue saying you guys used to be so close. (laughs) That's it. One line of dialogue in this movie's more or less fixed. I just, (laughs) I don't know, just something, anything. Or even when they're like just traveling down the road and you're like, you know, and the older bro's like, hey, remember those pillow fights we used to have? <laughs> Good times. Something, anything. Just reference <laughs> that they had a relationship before this movie started. Mm. Because it felt like maybe they <laughs> found out they were brothers a week before this movie started when we entered this film. And then you find out at the end of the movie, oh, yeah, they had a life before the movie started. I don't know. Because they, they, you know, they went out of their way. To have all these elements of the mom saying like, oh, it's great that what's, I don't know, what was, what was the younger Ian? Wasn't that the younger brother? I don't know. Yeah. The Tom yeah. Holland brother. Like they made, they went out of their way with so many references of like, oh, those brothers are going crazy. And the mom's like, oh, Chris Pratt brother. And they're like, no, it's the other brother. And she's like, oh, Tom Holland brother. <laughs> wow. Right. Good for him. Like they went out of their way to do all that 90 billion times can't give me one fucking line of dialogue saying that they used to play patty cake or some shit. Damn. Or like, <laughs> why wouldn't the brother do the whole shaving a haircut with his younger brother? If it was such a big deal, like why wouldn't he do True. that? Dude, that's it. True. They could have just like, done the shaving a haircut Dad together too. This. Yeah. Instead of just telling him, yeah, I used to play drums on my dad's feet. And I was like, oh, I can't wait to get to that part. And it was shaving a haircut. God, that was the most disappointing <laughs> wait for a drum beat ever. <laughs> that's like, if you're listening to in the air tonight, and it's all instead of the, you know, that classic drum solo, it's all dun, 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 dun. And you're just like, oh, <laughs> that's it. God. Anyway, just so fucking okay. Anyway, let's talk about this other movie, The Way Back. Isn't that the title of this? The Way Back? I'm not wrong, right? I don't 
Correct. It's it's Ben Affleck in Coach Carter or The Mighty Ducks or any of those other movies, but with Ben Affleck and fucks because this movie's rated R, so it says fuck. Um, it's not a true story though, right? I don't. I don't know. Maybe. I don't think it is. Oh, uh, I don't know. While you guys are talking, I'll look it up. Uh, Heather, you go first. Or wait, yes, Heather, you go first. Tell us about this movie. Um, in a nutshell, I super enjoyed this movie as well. This was a good weekend of movies for me. Uh, yeah, it's this is a very well executed movie. It is um, intentional with what it does and doesn't show you and what it does and doesn't focus on. And I think it's smart about how it does it. Ben Affleck is incredible in this movie. Um, I've always been a fan of his acting wise, mostly (laughs) with the exception of a few, but I mean, this is probably since um, Gone Girl, this is probably his best performance that I've seen him in in a while. So I, I think he was so great. I think he completely made this movie. I think everything about his mannerisms and just his demeanor and everything that he did to make this character who this character was completely made this movie what it was like he was so believable he was so captivating he was the one who i wanted to know what was happening with his story behind the scenes he was incredible in this role he was so good um it was it was really really well done and um I, I do like that the, it's it's inspirational but realistic, and I appreciate that as well because I think that's what sort of sets it apart from the movies that it is so similar to. And the uh, the supporting cast, the the guys on the basketball team, great chemistry, great dynamic with the coach, with the the assistant coach and the coach, you know Ben Affleck and the assistant coach. They were really good as a team together. Um, just. I really there's I didn't find a whole lot of things with this movie that I did not like. I think it was really well done. And it was surprising to me just how well it came together, because like we were saying, it's so familiar. The storyline and and all of that is so familiar, but it's not at the same time. And I think it takes a lot of thought to make it different when you've seen this story so many other times. This version is by far probably one of my favorites of that. So um, I really liked it. I thought it was great. Okay, a couple of things real quick before Justin. No, it's not based on a true story as far as the basketball elements go, but a lot of the elements dealing with sobriety and things like that may or may not intentionally mirror a lot of the stuff from Ben Affleck's own personal life with his own which issues with sense. addiction and sobriety. Yeah, which would make sense why he played the part extremely well. <laughs> and so, okay. one quick last thing before Justin. I take huge offense to what you said because Batfleck was one of the only good things in a couple of those early DC movies. And how dare you say that that was his best performance <laughs> since Gone Girl? Because he did Batfleck and he was great. To he be was fair, the only great I thing. haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, to be fair. Well, he did too because he's in Batman versus Superman and Justice League. And damn it, I love me some Batfleck. Justin, your turn. <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh so yeah man um this th- this was uh an enjoyable movie too um i also enjoyed this film a lot i think that ben affleck was great in this role and whether you agree of uh, where this falls on the <laughs> list of ben affleck roles 
I can say with confidence that this is one of his best performances. I just don't see how it isn't. He plays this character. There's there's a real subtlety to this character. There are moments where he's not really saying anything, but the pain or the indifference or the depression is felt in what he's in what he doesn't say. Just the way he looks or the way he reacts to something uh, at, at different situations in, in, in the scenes. And uh, he just and, and, and hearing you say those things that Ben Affleck actually went through this in his life, it makes a lot of sense to me then because he's been there. He understands this journey. He understands the kind of person, the kind of behaviors that a person going through this might go through. And I really think that all of that came across strong. And I think that that was very smart for this film because this film, let's not beat around the bush. This film does have a lot of cliche elements and you, and you know, kind of, it's a redemption story. So you kind of know how this thing is going to go, but uh, just some of the narrative decisions to not make it be about so much the winning, but more about the journey to get to that. I think that that was a choice that this film made to mainly focus on that and how hard that must be and just a person uh, going through depression, what that seclusion must be like, what that, uh, what alcoholism, what some of those elements entail, how you interact with others. A A lot of the movie is just showing you that. A lot of the movie is really just showcasing that. And I think that that makes this film stronger than really it has any right to be. Because we've seen a hundred of these sports redemption movies like this. But I think that's what separates this one. You, you just, uh, things happen, but they, the, they don't happen in such a cliche way that 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 things don't feel earned at the end, that the character's redemption, so to speak, doesn't feel earned at the end. And I think that that and I'm sure we'll get into specifics uh, here soon, but that's very impressive for a film like this, because it's so easy to fall into some of those cliche traps. And it's so easy for a film like this for the character journeys to feel unearned by the time you get at the end. Um, and, and I'm, and I think that that was just a great decision about this. You know, even though you could say the journey was won, there's a lot of things lost in this film. There's a lot of, uh, crushing blows in this film that Ben Affleck, and I mean, a lot of this just rides on his performance and he just sells those things so well. You can't help but feel for this Jack character. So with that being said, yeah, man, if you were on the fence about seeing this, I think this overall was a journey worth taking with Ben Affleck and the rest of the crew. I have a very big issue with this movie, and it really is the fact that this movie had the audacity to be another inspirational sports story movie and just be fucking better than all of the rest before it. Like, yes, I mean, in in what universe... Is there a movie where this is, like I said, it's Mighty Ducks, it's Coach Carter, it's 
fuck, it's Airbud. It's Angels in the Outfield. It's all these inspirational sports stories that we have 90 billion of. Most valuable primate. Most of them now have animals in them. Like, this is probably the one of the most cliched genres out there. And who knew that what this genre needed to just get an in, like to get reinvigorated and have a spark of life and to have just a legitimately good movie version of this was Ben Affleck and the word fuck. Cause that's more or less what <laughs> separates this from all these other ones is Ben Affleck and the word fuck. I mean, and it really does. It has a lot of the cliches that these other movies have, but then without going into specifics, it smartly goes against other cliches that this genre has in a way that makes this movie feel real. Like this feels more like a true story than all these ones that are inspired or based on a true story. This one right. feels more authentic to life. And I'm not even saying that's the why word I was fuck. like, is it like, yeah, the word fuck. Yes. Makes everything more authentic to me because that is my life. But just the, the rawness and the authentic emotion that this movie has. I mean, everything about it feels more like what one of these stories would be in real life. You know, it doesn't feel like a candy coated version. It doesn't feel like a like an overly cliched version. I mean, it feels very much like this story could happen next month and you would, you know, you'd like, yeah, of course it did. Like it feels that real in a lot of aspects. And I mean, I can't stress enough how much my boy Ben, who I have been a supporter of for years. This is true. I can attest to that. This man is a Ben Affleck fan for real. I I get it though, man. That's a good call. Ben Affleck to me is a lot like my Tennessee Titans. You know, there's been some flashes of greatness while I've been a fan. (laughs) And then just, and there's been some really bad lows, really bad lows. But most of the time, you're just wallowing in mediocrity of a seven and nine, eight and eight, nine and seven, if it's a good season. Like, we're just right in the middle. And that's just been my life as a Tennessee Titans fan. It's just utter mediocrity for the most part. And so much so that, you know, when you're around other sports fans and you tell them you're a Tennessee Titans fan, very few people get offended by that. You know, <laughs> I'm up here in Chicago. You tell people, someone you're a Green Bay Packers fan. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll get in your face. They'll be like, oh, what the fuck? You know, there's always something. You tell them a Tennessee Titans fan. They're like, oh, okay. There's, I guess there are people that are fans of that team. Like, no one gives a fuck about the Titans. And I mean, I won't necessarily say that that's the same with Ben Affleck. Because Ben Affleck has been a gigantically polarizing figure for most of his career. But it's just one of those things that if you really boil it down, a lot of Ben Affleck's like roles and everything like that haven't been bad. It's just been mediocrity for so much of his career, but damn, his highs are amazing and his mm-hmm. lows are Geely. And <laughs> you know, but I, I loved him and some of these things that other people didn't like. I like, I really, I like Jersey girl solely because of Ben Affleck. I like, uh, and while a lot of people do like this movie, uh, chasing Amy, I love chasing Amy. Ben Affleck. I loved I loved him in that movie. I think yeah. he was phenomenal in it actually. Um that's what started my love for Ben Affleck was chasing Amy. Um Boiler Room though, that's amazing. He's great in that. I really like him in that movie. Well, I mean, it, just go back to like him starting with like Goodwill Hunting and just out of nowhere yeah. winning an Academy Award. Um Right. Or just his little known role of being a basketball player in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I know it sounds cliche, but say what you will about Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, but 
its most iconic line to me is incredibly accurate because Ben Affleck was the bomb in Phantoms, yo. Like, <laughs> I, I, I know like nine people in the world that have seen Phantoms. Garbage movie, but fuck Ben Affleck's amazing. Um, I just, I... He does a lot of things where he specifically is good in those movies that might not be so great otherwise. And like, even in, for example, Dogma, actually there's a lot of interesting and good things about Dogma, but... Ben Affleck, honestly, for me, well, and Matt Damon both were the best part about that movie for sure. Like it was, it was great. Yeah. See, to me, Ben Affleck is what really makes Dogma great because at the end of the movie, you see him like lose his faith at the end of that movie. You know. Yeah. And like you, you witness it, like you see it with the way he portrays the character and everything like that. You see him lose faith in that movie, and it's so believable. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And he was a fucking amazing Batman. I will say this till the day I die. He is the best Batman in the worst DC movies of all time. He does better in non-romantic comedies. And he's not bad in romantic comedies, but he, it's not his best work. He's better in the other things like the dramas and those types of things. I don't know what you're talking about because Jersey Girl's amazing. But I, he just, I think he just wanted to be everything. You know what I mean? I think he he said yes to too many damn things. It didn't but you always root for him. That's the thing. I do. No, I wouldn't say everybody did. I mean, for a very long time, he was nothing but the butt of jokes. You know, he was, oh, it's another Ben Affleck movie. Who cares? You know, that was very much I guess a big maybe because I'm on your page. Yeah, because I was always a fan. And I think even when he did those bad movies, I was like, but I really just really I'm rooting for him because I know he's good, you know? I mean, I love Ben Affleck so much. I saw Pearl Harbor twice. <laughs> I did you, enjoy that back in the day. If you know what that means, that means I sat through Pearl Harbor once and went, you know what? I'll deal with that again from my boy Ben. <laughs> yep. I mean. That was my most conflicting movie because it had Ben and it had Josh Hartnett. And man, there was only boys, one winner. So. There was only one winner. Come on. Well, yes, but I'm just saying it was conflicting. Anyways. I mean, and then just on top of that, Ben Affleck as a director is amazing, and I love him. All right, that's enough of the uh, Ben Affleck minute of this podcast. Um, but no, he did such a fucking fantastic job in this movie. I mean, so much so that it would not surprise me if he was legitimately getting drunk in those scenes, or it's either that or the makeup department's so good, because they did a very good job of his face just looking drunk. Like, he just that, that like slightly flushed, just clammy face of somebody utterly inebriated like fuck they had that like that that's not done in a lot of movies but i mean he, he fuck they nailed it and like and there in the times like when this movie needed heart it had it and when this movie needed pain it had it and when this movie needed pain that you weren't really expecting coming your way it had that too and it was just legitimately just this movie essentially was a better movie than it had any right being based on what type of movie it is. But in the end, it shows you why this movie was made. I mean, I knew I was going to see this movie because it had my boy Ben and I have to see everything he's in. But other than that, I had no interest in this movie, none. And then I watched it and I'm like, I'm so fucking glad that Ben Affleck is in this because otherwise I would have missed out on a gem of a fucking movie. And that's what this yeah. movie is. A fucking gym. Uh, all right. So recommendations and scores. Uh, Justin, what about you? Yeah, I do recommend it. I think that this um, was kind of like, for me, 
so far in the year, this is kind of what Crawl was last year, where I looked at the previews of Crawl and I was like, uh, this looks like another kind of stupid, like, man versus uh, the animals monster type of movie. And walked out like, oh my gosh, this was like a really good movie. This was a pleasant surprise. Man, those previews didn't do that movie justice. And I feel the similar to this. When you watch the previews of this, I mean, I think I even had a friend who said the same thing, you know, who said something kind of similar whenever we saw we saw the previews in this. He was like, you can copy and paste Coach Carter and all of these other movies and just put Ben Affleck there instead of Samuel L. Jackson. And that's what this movie is going to be. And he said that. I remember he said that in the movie theater when we saw the preview and it got a laugh out of us. But boy, was he wrong. <laughs> like, but it, when you watch the previews, I could totally see why he would think that. I mean, when you watch it, you see this, you know, it looks like a guy's down on his luck and they're like, hey, come be a coach. And what it seems like is that the coaching experience changes him. And then, you know, you, you know that the team is just going to win at the end. That's what that's the impression that you get when you see the preview of this. But I'm just telling you, uh, without spoiling anything, the movie is so much more than that. And there's just so much e emotional weight here that's realized. And a lot of this journey is earned. And I think that it's a it's a it's a journey worth seeing. And it's interesting. We were talking about Onward just a second ago. And that's a movie that's about loss. And strangely enough, this movie is about loss, too. You know, it's about a, a man who lost his way and trying to find his way back. And uh, the, the, and and, and again, I'm going to say the same thing I said about that film. This is a journey worth taking. This is a journey worth seeing. So for that, I can uh, definitely recommend it. Um I'm and I th and again I think that you know I can't quite give this an A because yes there are a lot of you know uh cliche sports elements in it but this is very very good and was a pleasant surprise so I do believe that it deserves at least a a solid uh, a, a higher B I would say so I'm going to give this 86 and we're going to give it 86 uh <laughs> drunken man stumbling down a flight of stairs because he went into the wrong house out of a hundred. Pretty solid movie, guys, and a pleasant surprise. Don't miss this one in theaters. Heather, what about you? Yeah, 100% recommend it. I think um, it's probably of this year, I would say it's the one that I would most recommend someone to see. It's so good. Like, yeah, and just like everyone was saying, like the, the elements that are familiar, yeah, they're familiar, but there's just there's something special and different about this one that makes it worth seeing over the others. And um, I know we'll get into that, but the I just think that you would really be missing out on a really special type of movie if you didn't see it. And I mean, you might think, like we said, that you know what this is going to be about and the inspirational sports story and the overcoming. And it does have all of that but it has so much more than that. And it has a lot more of 
real life to it. And that is what I, th- I think makes it stand out. Or one of the things that makes it stand out is that and just how much you could tell, especially that Ben Affleck poured everything he had into this role. It just makes it so much better than you would ever think it would be. And like Sterling said, I mean, this movie has no right being as good as it is, but it is. It really is. Uh, Yeah, so I definitely recommend it. For me, I really, I do think just because of how smart and thoughtful I think they were with how they told this story, it kind of edges it out for me to be an A. I'm going to give this movie 90 um, random victory dances uh, from a team that's not good out of 100. You've seen this movie. Everyone has seen this movie before, but you haven't seen this version of this movie yet. It's like I said before, it has all the cliches of a sports, you know, inspirational story movie you'll see. But then it it smartly breaks certain cliches in a way that just makes it feel, and I hate saying this, it makes it feel fresh. And this movie has no right feeling fresh at all. Because like I said, you've seen this movie, but this is a better version of it. And my boy Ben fucking kills it. So you definitely need, like you said, to see this, like Justin said, to see this movie in theaters. And also, Justin, I'm pissed off at you because I was going to say the same damn thing about Crawl. That so far this year that this was my crawl. <laughs> yep. It's just, you watch the trailers, you're like, what the fuck is this? Again? And then you watch the movie and you're like, fuck yes. Like, that's what this movie was. This movie, it, it's, it's like I said, it's a gym. Fucking watch it. I give this movie uh 88. My boy Ben is fucking fantastic. This is out of 100. I had to make that plural. So, spoilers. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. Spoilers for this movie. I loved that they that he actually got fucking fired and stayed fired. Like that's one of those cliches that, like I said, they break that his demons actually do come back because that's the nature of demons and that he gets fired and he stays fired. I also love the fact that I don't remember if it shows whether or not the team won that final game or in the playoffs or whatever. Like, I love that it doesn't show that or at least I don't remember it. So either way, I love that. I don't remember it if it did show it. So that's fine. Um, it's just one of those things that, like, I was not actually expecting that at the end. I wasn't expecting him. Like, once he got fired, I was just waiting for something to happen for him to get unfired. And I was so glad that they didn't do that just because that's what I was expecting. Because I feel like any other version of this movie would have done that. And my hat's off to this movie for not doing that. Um, I also really kind of liked how smart the humor was in this in instances. Uh I really loved that the whole conversation with the priest when he's like, do you really think God's sitting up there and giving a shit about what we say? And then the priest just turns to him and he's like, yeah, I do think he sits up there and gives a shit about what we say. I was like, fuck yeah, Padre. Like I got amped when that fucking happened. It was just because it was just a smart little fun way of doing that. And I mean, I liked the scenes and they kind of spoiled one of the interactions in the trailer and shit like that. But I like when he'd go off on one of his tirades and then afterwards they'd be like the, you know, the chaplain would look at him. He's like, I'm trying. They try harder and he's like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. I just, I just found this movie incredibly like, you know, heartfelt and just a genuine emotional ride. Like when, you know, those scenes with, you know, Ben Affleck losing the kid, I thought they handled that spectacularly well because I liked that they didn't, they kept it true to the character where, you know, you find out later in the movie, he doesn't talk about his kid dying. And that's why you find out so late in the movie that he had a, a kid that died. And I love that. Because it it felt true to the, the story they were telling with it, that he just doesn't talk about it. And 
you know, then, then going back to the hospital and seeing that, you know, that other kid dying and all this other stuff was just so, you know, like salt in the wound to him that all the steps he had taken, you know, by just being, you know, this basketball coach and everything just kind of went out the window because that wound is still so raw for him. And when he was having that conversation with his wife slash ex-wife about how, you know, like things like that make her angry and stuff like that. And he's like, I've never gotten over that anger. And it shows in that, like in that scene when he, he can't handle it with that other little boy that it really rings true to that, that that's always been his problem with it is he never let go of the anger. And so even when the anger had kind of subsided a little bit and he was doing better and all these other things that when it finally came down to it and push came to shove, that anger was still sitting right there and ready to go. And if this movie really was kind of a weird, I don't want to say autobiographical, but like a weird mirror of Ben Affleck's life and things like that. I kind of like the way it ended with it because, you know, it could be, you know, like kind of mirroring the whole, like with Ben Affleck and, you know, fighting for sobriety and fighting addiction and all these things and losing his family because of it and all these issues he's had with it and all this other stuff. And that, you know, maybe a movie like this or something like that, or just like re-falling in love with like making movies or something like that is what brought him out. Kind of would mirror the end of this movie when he like picked up a basketball for the first time in 25 plus years. And, you know, that was his way of trying to overcome the anger and the pain and the bullshit he dealt with his whole life. Kind of just summed up in just him shooting a basketball. And then like, if you really think about it, yeah, that was the first time in the entire movie you saw him touch a basketball. Like I really kind of saw, like sat there and thought about it and like looked back at everything. You don't see him touch a basketball until that scene at the end of the movie. And I thought that was a very smart and incredible, and it showed a very incredible attention to detail to have it portray itself and play out like that on screen in something, in a way that you don't normally think of. And I just really, really enjoyed it. And my boy Ben was so good. I just love that. I love just going, like, rubbing in everybody's face because my boy Ben knocked it out the damn park. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I I definitely agree. I think he he completely makes this movie what it is. Um, I agree. I think the thing that sets this movie apart, a couple of things are, for one, it's definitely more true to real life in some senses where how you're talking about at the end, his demons did come back. And that's the thing. Like there was still the happy ending in the sense of you see that he's still trying to be a better person and a better version of himself. But I mean, he still stayed fired. He still didn't get to go and, you know, be with his team as they were in the playoffs. He he still didn't get to do any of those things because of a mistake that he made. And that's super real. You know what I mean? And like, I just feel like that's very relatable, you know? And I, I feel like a lot of people have that where it's like, oh, you're on top of the world and you're doing great. So you're, you just feel like, oh, it's fine. This isn't going to be a big deal. And then you make that mistake and it changes everything. I have been there more times than I'd like to count. And I know a lot of people, other people that have been there too, where you're just, you just feel like that one mistake is just the thing that you regret the most. But at the same time, it's the one thing that in your life that it's what makes it sets into motion. You actually changing who you are, you know? And I just feel like that's so relatable to so many people and the way that he does this. And I do think, and Sterling, because of what you were reading about it before, about how it's very possible a lot of this is based on 
Ben Affleck's personal struggles that he's had with alcoholism. And he's been very open about it before, too, about just how much, you know, that he's a recovering alcoholic and all these things that I think I, it just makes more sense why this movie's so good, because he's he's playing a part. He's he's doing a role that is so close to home for him. And all those feelings that the character's feeling in the movie, he's probably felt those 10 times over in real life. And I just I love that. And I think that's why he he knocked it out of the park as much as he did, because he's like, no, I've done this. I've been this. This is who I've been. And I know how to do this. And you feel like he did this as kind of like a labor of love almost to show people this is what I went through. And this is this is what happens, you know, when you have that kind of an illness or that kind of an addiction or whatever it may be. And that, I think, is part of really what sets this movie apart. It's true to life. And I like that they 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 give you a little bit of a taste of his life and what's happened in his past to make him a little bit more, um, I guess, um, distanced from other people, made him a little bit more reclusive, maybe even things that have caused him to want to continue with his drinking, like getting divorced from somebody that he clearly still wants to be with, um, losing a child at that age, watching your child go through that kind of an illness, all these things, they they hone in on it a little bit, but they don't give it too much. They You, you don't feel like they lose focus of the overall with this. Um, it makes you want to root for his character more, but you also still see like, uh, even in all of these things that like you just really want him, you're rooting for him like in real life, <laughs> you're rooting for him to beat it, to overcome this because of everything he's been through. You just want him to be better like you want him to be on the up and up and you want him to stay there and you think he's going to do that because you know you see at the the parts of the movie when he's like you know what i'm not going to go to this bar again i'm going to go and do something else and you know what i have something that i'm passionate about and living for which is this team so that's going to help me overcome this and in and it did for a while but in the end and sterling i think you said it best when you said that's the nature of demons they come back and it showed that and it showed the consequences of that. And I just love that they do that because that's real. And I think that's a lesson people need to learn while movies are great at the, you know, giving you the, this is imagine, this is imagination. This is fiction. This is just a movie to escape what's going on. I appreciate those movies that are honest enough to show you like, no, it's not always going to be the happy ending, even with an inspirational movie like this. And the balance of it, but just the realness of it is it's a treasure. It really is. And I think that's so much of why it's so different than the other movies. Um, and I just, I also think that the relationships in the movie in general are very realistic. Um, even with like the team, you know, he's, (laughs) he, he comes, he comes around to just being closer with the team and, you know, they clearly look up to him and they love him. And, you know, he, he comes to be really, you know, caring about them a lot, but you don't see that like transformation of his character of who he is. Like he, he's very true to who he is. And it's not like he completely changes from the movie, what you see from the beginning to the end in a, in a fake way. You know, you see that he starts to open up a little bit and care a little bit, but he's still very much got that same dynamic with the boys that he always did, where he's like, I'm going to be really hard on you and I'm going to be really honest with you. And some of you piss me off and I'm going to show you that. So I think that having that dynamic continue 
no matter what phase in their relationship was a, a smart idea to do it that way because that is also realistic because how many times you know with teachers or mentors or whatever where it's like yeah you're close but they're still going to be real with you and they're not going to change the personalities because they're closer to you in that sense so i really just enjoyed that dynamic of you could tell the ones i mean he cared about the whole team but he's focused so much on this brandon character and i don't know if it was supposed to be because he felt like that's kind of how his son would have been or if he felt like he was kind of like brandon or whatever it was but for some reason he's so focused on the one kid for most of the time and you know i just i don't know i just feel like it wasn't like a it made it more real to be like i love my team but i'm really concerned about this one kid and um i think that kind of also made it a little bit different than the other movies where it's like all of you i care about all of you and i'm putting everything i am into every single one of you when sometimes you're just really focused on the one and thinking that if you can help the one, it's going to help the whole team. And I don't know. I just think that they did it a little bit differently, but it was smart. So, um, yeah, I just, I just think that they made a lot of really wise choices with how they told the story and how they built the characters. And yeah, I just think his progression and just seeing his journey throughout this whole thing was it was just really captivating because it was it was almost like just a person you know in your everyday life and hearing what they're going through and yeah this was a great time but now it's not because i screwed up and i just love the stories of the people that are like i am still a flawed person but i'm really trying not to be because i think that's everyone you know so i really liked it for that the only thing really for me that wasn't the best about the movie is um in general like i'm not sure why of all people over the past 25 or whatever years at that school that the priest was like no you're the first person i thought of he probably hasn't talked to him in years he has no coaching experience you know anything like that where i just feel like it's it felt so out of the blue and they still didn't really explain it super well so for me that was a little bit out of the blue but um other than that i was like no this movie's super realistic you know and the fact that he just decided i kind of get why he decided to take the job because he's like what else am i doing in my life i have nothing else to look forward to so i kind of get like why he took it, even though he was like this is dumb why are you asking me but i think more on the end of why did the school ask him in the first place like i just feel like that's you know there were so many other people that they could have called in that moment why just this one person that we haven't heard from and that doesn't have the experience. But um, other than that, I just think that all the decisions they made about the character developments and just the the way the story was told was really awesome. So, uh, No, you're absolutely right on that. I'm sorry. My love for Ben kind of distracted me a lot um, when it came to this movie. But no, that was a big issue I have with this movie of like, it's been 25 years of shittiness. You're the first person I thought of. Why? He's not a coach. He's not a teacher. <laughs> Apparently, everybody knows he's a gigantic degenerate alcoholic because even one of the opposing coaches goes, oh, you could get him out of a bar long enough to coach? <laughs> right. And apparently, it's this huge, small town. or is it Huge, small town. What the fuck does that mean? It's a small town. Like, so everybody knows everybody's business and all this other shit. Like, it's so random that, like, all of a sudden, he's like, oh, yeah, you. Like, that, that part of it just didn't... It didn't click with me either on that. 
you know, that it was just all of a sudden it was you and it can only be you and all this other stuff. And like it, because, and, and it was one of those things that's, I guess the reason why I accepted it when I watched the movie though, was because you always have to have that cliche of getting the guy that made the team good, you know, back into the fold, you know, just like mighty ducks. He had, to, you know, I don't even remember why he got in trouble in my ducks. Was it a DUI? I don't know. Something like that. And like, so he had to go coach the team, but it can't be his team. And if he was around nowadays at his old house, he would have been in the ducks district, which I guess that's how they, you know, divvy up teams in hockey in cities. I don't know. And, you know, they just needed that weird artificial way to, you know, bring them in or, you know, to bring him back into the fold of this and all this other stuff. And to kickstart the story. Yeah. And it's, it's a dumb cliche moment. And like I said, this movie is full of cliches. It's just some of them it follows and some of it, it doesn't. And unfortunately that's one of the ones that has to follow because it has to justify us, you know, being in this situation to, you know, for this movie to exist. But yeah, that doesn't make it feel any less, I don't know. And I don't want to say this, but any less dumb. Cause you're right. Like the, the logic for bringing him in on in as coach and just in general, the logic of him being the only one or him saying yes, like none of it really makes sense, but at least from that point on, the right. movie's good, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's you a, can forgive it because of that. Yeah. Do they not do a background check? Like fuck nothing. Like <laughs> they didn't even do like a urine test, anything like they were just like, Nope, fuck it. Your coach your Monday go. Yeah. And I, I half expected it to be one of those where the priest of the school knows like his struggles and what he's dealing with. And so he's like, I want to bring him in because I want to teach him something about himself. Like I figured even that would have been a moment where I was like, it still wouldn't really make sense because you're putting all these other kids in jeopardy because of that. But at the same time, I see a little bit more of your motive of like why you're doing this. But they didn't even do that with it. So I don't know. I mean, you would think in this day and age, the Catholic church would realize you can't just put whoever you want around children. And apparently in this movie universe, they did it. They just went, fuck dude, you're hired. You start today. No background check, no nothing, not even filling out paperwork. Just go. Right. Yeah. Just come on in on Monday. Yeah. But I think the thing I did like about that scene though, again, though, was the fact that Ben, um, jack the character he was so true to who that character would be because even when he's like are you married you have kids and he's like uh separated no kids like didn't divulge any information about himself because he didn't want to go there especially with a priest but just the fact that he was very true to who he would be in that situation and i did appreciate that about the conversation they had in that scene but otherwise i'm just like there's like no logical real reason that you're asking him to do this you just need this part to make the rest of the movie go. Yeah, no, and you're absolutely right. That's one of the things like uh, when I was talking about earlier that I should have mentioned with that, that that is a great part of that scene that he's not lying, but he's very much bearing the truth because he can't handle it. And yeah, I love that. Because my boy Ben's amazing. Justin, what about you? Uh, yeah, uh, just to speak on um, j- just some of the elements that, uh, th- that stood out to me. Yeah, I think that really just w- w- the the best thing about this movie is just some of the decisions that it makes to w- when it makes a decision to share something, when it makes a decision to keep something back because and and a lot of the really bad cliches, uh, I will say the movie avoids because typically like that assistant coach character 
uh, I, I mean, typically that's like you, you could see the makings or the or the or either that uh, priest guy that was following them and the one that who he had the conversation with about the language on the bus and everything like that. Typically, you could see one of those characters kind of being like this antagonist character, like, oh, I'm going to try to get him in trouble. And so this movie is kind of like predicated on the that character that's that that kind of uh, sees the bad in our in our protagonist as a bad person. But the film doesn't really do that. You know, those characters, when they do are at odds with him, they're justified. They seem like what what they're saying is making sense. It was it wasn't over melodramatic or over the top. So I think that that was a good decision that they made sure to temper those interactions and realism and not make you think, oh, this character, because I started to think that and then the movie didn't do that. So I just really appreciated that because you you could just see one of those characters becoming an antagonist and they didn't do that. Um, Another thing that I think was strong about this movie is that, like I said, this is more about this person's journey with his demons and less so much about the basketball team saving him. And I think that that was a, a good decision too. Because he took the job, and I think you guys are justified what you guys were talking about as far as the reasons why he got the job and everything like that. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And and, and maybe if the priest could have, and there was a moment there where when he's getting fired, the priest, if the priest could have maybe said some things like, look, I know you had problems. There were people who were against doing this, but I wanted to give you a chance. I wanted to believe that this could turn your life around. I had heard about some of the things and I thought that maybe this would be a good thing for you, but I guess I was wrong. You know, you you could have patched that up a little bit for why the priest chose him um, a little bit. But at least what I liked about the film is that um, he was good at basketball. Obviously, he was good at that. And maybe he just had an eye for coaching because he just told the kids the truth. And I loved how... The team started winning, but he wasn't fixing himself. He was still drinking. He was still drinking at work. There was still like this issue, like the the one assistant coach caught him, you know, caught him that one time with beer cans still uh, in the office. They they caught him, you know, he he saw some beer cans in his office and stuff like that. So he was still drinking. He still this problem was still there even though the team was winning. And I like that decision that, and, and and the decision for him to get fired and not get the job back was a great one because, because normally in a movie like this, it's the job that fixes this character. It's the interactions with the kids and becoming a great coach and winning the big game is what fixes the situation. Everything's predicated on that. And by the time you get to the end, there's a game winning shot and that fixes this character. The experience with the students fixes the character. But I liked how they were winning, but he was still not fixed. And then when uh, and then um, and the decision to not really tell you about his kid and the cancer and dying and everything. I thought that was a great decision, too. 
in a lot of these movies, typically that's what you you get a lot of that at the beginning or like towards the middle of the film, like almost the end of the first act, you typically get that towards the beginning. And then the rest of the movie is predicated on fixing this character's problem. But like you guys said, I like how it didn't do that. It kind of waited and he was withholding that and you didn't understand why. And it didn't feel like a plot point because it was very much a part of this character's trauma, not talking about his kid. And I just think that that was such a great decision. So by the time, so we're seeing him do all these things. We're seeing him have this relapse. And then by the time we get to that part about his kid and we understand why he was kind of dreading going to his friend's uh, kid's birthday and all of that stuff, and then seeing his friend's kid at the hospital and everything, by the time we understand why, it's crushing, man, and it's effective and it works. And then you really just feel you already felt for him, but you really just feel for this Jack character in those moments. And I think that if they had given us that earlier, if they had done some of the things you typically see in these movies, there's just no way I don't think that would have been as effective. So. I mean, it was just decisions like that to me that really just made this more enjoyable and you felt it. It just felt real. And like you guys said, the the, the decisions that they made at the end, I thought were great. Like that, that, you know, him not being able to go back with the team, but still showing that he made an impact on those kids. That little skirmish that he had with the team captain's father. You, you didn't really get, you know, it didn't seem like he made an impact, but then you saw the father at the game and you just couldn't help but feel, you know, that Ben, you know, Jack, he made an impact. And at the end, when they were like, let's win this for the coach, man, let's do this for our coach. You know, it, it was he had made an impact, even though he lost that job and he wasn't there. His impact was still felt. And that was uplifted. And then the fact that he had started seeing some professional help about his problems and was admitting that he had problems. He didn't get his uh, his ex-wife back. He didn't do that. He didn't get to come back to the team or run out there just as they're about to play. And everybody's like, oh, the coach is here or he's in the stands or, you know, they just avoided doing so much corny stuff. But it still left you uplifted and happy towards the end. You felt like Jack could turn this uh, around. You felt like he was on his way back. And I think that's why the movie is just ultimately so effective. It was those key decisions and choosing not to go a certain way when they could have and they could have easily done those things and still got to their resolution at the end of this film. And I'm just so glad that they did it for those reasons. No, you're right on that, Justin. I mean, it's that's, and it's something we've talked about before. Cliches in a movie aren't bad. It's how do you use those cliches and like what you do with them? Where do you, where does that move your movie forward? You know what I mean? Like, how do you make those cliches make your movie better? And then sometimes it really is needed to where you need those cliches to make your movie feel familiar so that you can get your hooks into them. And then you need to divert yourself after that. And that's what this movie did by taking some of those cliches 
in making you think they're going to happen and ending it before like, or, you know, in changing it right before it got to the point of it's a cliche. Yeah. And even like the scenes when they're showing the team playing the games against the other teams, that super easily could have gone cliche. And for a minute, I thought it was going to, especially with the whole, we're so behind, but yet at the second half, we are just dominating everything. But the way they did it didn't make it seem like the most unrealistic thing ever. And I, I thought it was kind of cool too how they would do the the scores. Like they would just, they don't have to show the entire games or whatever. They were just kind of like, okay, here's the final score. And it just kind of did like a little, you know, the the names of the, the teams and the scores against them. And I thought that was kind of cool because it was just like, yeah, this team is important and what they're doing is important, but we're we're getting our point across without overdoing it with the, so let's see the winning shot every time you guys win. Like they didn't have to do that to get their point across, which I appreciated. Um, and then also just a real, I do want to give a shout out to, um, um, his name is Al Madrigal, who plays the assistant coach. I thought he was great. He was a really great supporting character. And I think I said it at the beginning, but his dynamic with Ben Affleck's character was so great. Um, so I just really, I thought that he did a, a great job in that role. No, you're, you're, you're right on that. Uh, especially with, when you were talking about the, uh, like the basketball games themselves, like because of the style they were playing and stuff like that, like you would assume they would have some close games and stuff like that. But like, I like the idea that, you know, the, they weren't sitting there going like, oh yeah, we got to come back in this one game. Like, you know, that grind style of basketball that they were, you know, talking about playing and stuff like that. You can come back, but like it's you can't get too far behind. And I like the fact that like a lot of the games and the elements they showed in some of that stuff did seem fairly realistic when it came to some of the actual basketball and stuff like that. Also, I like the fact that like at a certain point they would just show quick flashes of it. They, because like Justin mentioned earlier, the basketball itself really isn't the point of this movie. Like the kids and him being the coach and things like that's an element of it. But you know, this wasn't really a movie about you know, the kids getting better and overcoming all these challenges and winning a championship. It's not what this movie is. And it's very obvious by the fact that the end of the movie, you don't know. It's all up in the air. And like, I liked that, that they, they showed you what you needed to see to make those elements continue to work throughout the movie, but it didn't draw so much attention to it that it derailed the purpose of what this movie was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think on like a deeper level, if anything, uh, what it kind of showed me was that because um, the character Jack or Ben Affleck, whatever we like to call him here, whenever he was um, coaching these kids, the, the, there was an element that he was trying to instill in them. But it was something that the character himself needed to follow kind of to get out of this situation or get back, so to speak. Like the whole philosophy of we may not be the biggest. We may not be the strongest. There are elements we don't have. We don't have all the best players, this, that, and the other. But if you do the little things, you know, if you hustle hard and you get the rebounds and you and you can get a couple of steals and you can do these little things, if you can do the little things well, then you can come back. You can be in every game. You can still win even though you don't have these things. And I think that's the interesting thing about these journey, this journey, because that's the same answer 
to him overcoming the situation to in his life. So he had it in him. You know, this this person, he when he was out there on the basketball field delivering this philosophy, that that's the same answer for him in his life. And life is kind of like that, right? You lose things in life, you don't have things, but if you could do those little things, you know, it's those little things you chip away. Like he was saying, we got to chip away at that score. We got to chip away. And it's little by little. You got to chop it down. It's not going to happen overnight. You got to chop it down. Well, that's the same thing with grief, man. That's the same thing with loss. You often have to do those little things. You got to admit that you have a problem. You got to be honest with other people about what's going on with you. You've got to take those small steps and chip away at that thing uh, 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 until you can come back from it, you know? And I, and I think a lot of that was what the basketball was about. He had the answer. The answer was in him, but he just, the alcoholism, everything that happened, the tragedy of the man's life, he just couldn't quite see how to get there. And at the end of the film, he's, even though he got fired, even though that, that, that part happened, he instilled that philosophy in them, and they're all the way in the playoffs. And what did the character start doing? He started doing those little things, the therapy, being honest about what happened, admitting to his failures, and trying to turn this thing around. And ultimately, that's the movie, if you think about it. Very well said, Justin. Uh, any other thoughts, guys? Nope. No, that was it for me. I thought it'd be funny if you were like, you know what? And another thing. Just pulled me and just kept going. <laughs> and on that note, guys, thank you guys for listening to the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at cinemaslayers.com. Check us out on Facebook at Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on Instagram and Twitter at cinema underscore slayers. Once again, we are still doing some contests for you guys. So remember, if you have an idea of what a voodoo shark looks like, send it to us and we will, if we get enough entries, we'll put up a little poll and... Whichever one wins, Sterling's getting tattooed on his body. So if you want to see me in some pain because you don't fucking like the way I talked about one of your favorite movies, then fuck it. Go ahead and do it. Let's see what happens. And, you know, we'll definitely put some video up and stuff like that of when I'm getting it done so you can see my little in pain face because I am not good at getting tattoos, even though I have a lot of them. Um, we are also going to do a Q&A episode and things like that. So uh, just send us any, you know, reasonable questions and... um anything like that and you know we'll definitely answer some questions and things like that coming up to you know just to let you guys better know us better know uh other things and just whatever in general just like i said keep them reasonable you can send all that to uh any of those things whether it's a voodoo shark submission or a question for this uh send them to uh semislayers podcast at gmail.com or you can just directly uh dm us on twitter or you can uh, message us on Facebook uh, or message one of us personally with any of that stuff. Just let us know or, you know, just send it in. We'll get it. We'll get it all gathered and we'll do all this stuff. Uh, we got some really exciting things coming your way um, that you will notice probably within the next couple of weeks because we will sound a little different and we're super excited by that. So just keep your ears open for that. And as always, remember, guys, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. We're playing basketball. We love that basketball. We're playing basketball. We love that basketball.
skid ball. I don't know what the fuck that was, but I also should say, and I should have said this earlier, we need submissions by March 31st. 